Hello, and welcome to the Yukon Entrepreneur Podcast Series. I'm your host, Carrie Johnston, and I'm recording today from the traditional territory of Champion and Asiac First Nations. And my guest today is Michael. Michael, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Michael Pilo. I am a, a social innovation consultant and facilitator, and I too live in the traditional territory of the Champion and Asiac First Nations. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being here again. You were one of our earlier interviews in season one of the podcast, and it's great to have you back now that we're part of a research study. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your business? What is it that you do? So primarily what I do is facilitation, uh, facilitation work. So I help groups uh, work through challenges that may range from strategic planning for organizations, uh, helping organizations decide what they want to do next. Uh, or it might be collections of individuals and organizations grappling with, with complex challenges and trying to figure out what their next wise course of action is. And how long have you been operating your business? Uh, I've been self-employed since uh, part-time since 2005, full-time since 2006. Uh, in the early days, I was a business and economic development consultant and did that for many, many years. Uh, but about five years ago or so, I I did the switch primarily just to social innovation uh, and facilitation work. And who's your customer base? Uh, it really ranges. Uh, primarily, it's uh, uh, government, First Nations, and NGOs, uh, but it may also be industry organizations. And yeah, it's it, primarily NGOs and, and various types of governments. And have you seen any shifts in your customer base as a result of the pandemic? Um, no, it's still fairly focused on those on that same client base. The, the client base is pretty much the same. Uh, what I have seen is uh, a little bit more work outside of the territory happening. Uh, Zoom has really made that uh, possible uh, to take on clients elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, kind of casting your mind back, what's your first memory of the pandemic? Like, you know, it's sort of that age-old question of like, where were you the day JFK was shot? Like, what's your what's your pandemic memory? Yeah, so I my uh, family was having a big reunion. Uh, so, uh, my immediate family from across the country uh, for years, uh, we had talked about this trip that we were going to do, and and we. We're doing the trip, and even before we left, uh, I was kind of kind of questioning: Should we? What's going to happen? We don't know. And the decision was made to to do it anyways. So we all met in Nicaragua, and we were there for about three days when the prime minister uh, did his uh, press conference, and we're all watching it in Nicaragua. And he says, "Come home." Like, oh, great! So the rest of the trip really became about uh, navigating that uncertainty of. Uh, you know, should we rebook flights? Uh, flights are being canceled. What what do we do? Uh, and then coming home in the midst of the start of this pandemic when so much was was unknown. Yeah, mm. that's. So you were caught overseas. Yeah, yeah, we were in Central America and had to figure out what to do. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, those travel restrictions have certainly been, you know, a real challenge for a lot of Yukoners, for a lot of Canadians, for, for everybody in the world, really. What have you found to be one of the most challenging of the, you know, the pandemic-related restrictions or guidance for your business? You know, it's, it's the uh, 
sort of the on again, off again nature of the restrictions uh, because I'll, I'll facilitate a lot of events. And when it comes to facilitation, it's so much easier if it's just either all online or all in person. And people have gotten to the point where they kind of want both options. Uh, but when it comes to facilitation, hybrid facilitation is, is really, really difficult. We just haven't found that really, really good bridge between, between the two. Uh, you know, some, some people are doing a good job of it with the technology like Gunta Business Solutions, for example, but it's, uh, it's when it comes to facilitating, uh, it's really, really difficult uh, to, to bridge the two. It's just easier if it's one or the other. And so not knowing if an event is going to be in person or if it's going to have to be online requires some rapid shifting sometimes. Do you find like a big difference in sort of the end product between when you facilitate online versus in person? Prior, prior to the pandemic, um, I was always highly resistant to online facilitation. I was like, there's just no way that it'll ever be as good as in person uh, because there is so much that happens uh, kind of in between the conversations that, that you might not be able to have online. Um, but what I found is that uh, you can come up with some pretty good products with online facilitation. Uh, but the one that I still continue to struggle with is hybrid. Like you get there, but it's, it's just a lot messier. It requires a lot more time to, to be able to do it. And, you know, people aren't necessarily part of the conversations in the same way. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. Mm. Yeah. But, but I've, but I've uh, had some pretty big successes with online events that I, I don't think would have even been able to happen uh, had all online not been an option. What do you mean they wouldn't have been able to happen? Uh, so for an example, uh, one of the projects that I worked on was related to early childhood education in the Northwest Territories. And this was a group of organizations that didn't have a travel budget to all come together to discuss what the future of early childhood education in the NWT could be. Uh, being able to have people, I mean, have 65 to 75 people online from across the Northwest Territories who wouldn't have been able to gather otherwise uh, led to some really exceptional conversations that, that really are changing the shape of early childhood education in the Northwest Territories. Wouldn't have been able to happen if if all online hadn't been an option. We've all kind of had to adapt to this new normal, like figuring out what this this sort of means. Which sort of innovation or adaptation in your business are you most proud of that you've sort of made work for the new normal? Uh, as I mentioned before, I was always resistant to online facilitation. I prior to the pandemic, I had turned down online facilitation jobs uh, just because I thought that they couldn't be done well. And so right at the start of the pandemic, I realized, no, nah, this is, I, I, gotta, I gotta figure this out and dove into it uh, and started off hosting an event on what does the future of, of uh, community consultation or engagement look like in a COVID age. And, and that required me to, to really dive in and explore some of the tools that could be used uh, for facilitating online. And uh, I continue to learn, uh, learn new tips, like new tricks for, for online facilitation and new tools like uh, Gather being one that allows you to have those more organic conversations. 
that that Zoom doesn't allow you to have. So now I use different tools depending on the nature of of the event that I'm facilitating. Yeah, I remember you were one of the first when the pandemic first began. You kind of gathered a lot of different people together working in this sort of similar economic development space and sort of said like, hey, this is how you use Zoom and you know breakout rooms and the different sort of tools that were available to us in Zoom because we weren't many of us weren't familiar with those. So thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. That that first event was really just as much about me figuring it out and trying it and seeing what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you learned about your business model over the last two years? Any key insights? Yeah. So, I mean, a really, really big change in my life was that I relocated from Whitehorse to Haynes Junction. Uh, my partner and I had been looking for a house for a couple of years and the housing market was such that it just, it wasn't possible for us to, to find a place. Uh, but we did find a, a place in Haynes Junction and, and we realized we can live anywhere. Uh, and we both love Haynes Junction. So, so we moved here and uh, I was worried that my work, my, I wouldn't get as much work living in Haynes Junction. It hasn't been the case at all. Uh, if anything, I've been struggling with managing the workload and, and have to be more careful of that. Uh, so it's, I mean, that's definitely one thing that I've learned is that I can be anywhere doing my work uh, and I will be. So I'll, I'll go where life makes me happy and life makes me happy here. So it is a fantastic place to live and work, I gotta say. Um, did you access any of the pandemic related supports, whether that was Yukon government or federal government supports? No, I didn't. Uh, but I was part of uh, I was one of the uh, business counselors or mentors. Uh, business counselors, I think, is the more appropriate term uh, for the pivot program uh, that was offered uh, right. through Yukon University. So business counseling was something I'd done a long time ago for many, many, many years. Uh, so I just, there were businesses that needed the assistance. So I stepped in. Any observations about the pandemic related supports that were provided federally or territorially uh, or, or municipally? Like uh, any observations about them from, from your perspective? I think overall, uh, I have to, to give credit to government uh, they responded quite quickly and were there to provide support. Uh, I, one of my observations is that the kind of the default, the go-to uh, to provide support was business counseling uh, to, uh, to help businesses adapt to what was going on. And I question, and I questioned prior to the pandemic and I question today, why is business counseling not just a service that's available to businesses for free? Uh, you know, we have doctors and nurses for our health. Why don't we have nurses for our businesses uh, at the very least? And I, I think that uh, we should have business counselors in every Yukon community as a basic service to, to uh, businesses in the Yukon. Going forward, how are you thinking about your business differently? Where are you kind of seeing some opportunity on the horizon? Prior to the pandemic, uh, what I really wanted to do was move my facilitation more on the land, uh, do more land-based facilitation. Because when you get a group of people on the land, it, it changes power dynamics. People think differently. People think uh, uh, in less boxy ways, let's say. Um, the pandemic really uh, limited travel and gatherings in, in so many ways. Um, living in Haynes Junction, 
uh, I'm starting to see some opportunities emerge uh, where I might be able to start shifting in that direction. And so it's just paying attention. Uh, I'll be paying attention to, to those potential opportunities and seeing where it might go. It's, it's where I'd still like to take my facilitation. I would like to spend less time staring at screens and more time on the land with people. Uh, but we'll just have to, to see how it goes. Uh, so I was thinking about it before the pandemic, but you know, you have to adapt. And uh, ironically, it might be the pandemic might be making what I wanted to do before even more possible. It just took more time to get there. We'll see. Uh, have you picked up any new skills or anything like that to sort of better position yourself for the sort of emerging economy? Uh, the big one was facilitating online. Like that's, that's been a big one. Yeah. And not an easy one. Yeah. Um, as a business owner, leadership sort of inherent in, in all that we do. Um, what are you learning about leadership during this pandemic? One of the things uh, that I do in my volunteer time is I'm the chair of the Yukon Foundation. And we've been going through some uh, deliberate major changes with the foundation in the past few years. Um, we have a, uh, an older board, or the board has historically skewed uh, towards older Yukoners. And what I have really, really appreciated about my board is their eagerness and their willingness to adapt. So when it came to not being able to meet in person, everybody got right into it and figured out how to get online to have our meetings using Zoom. And uh, that actually made it more accessible for our board members who are joining from other Yukon communities. Um, it's made it easier to to have the conversations that we've need to needed to have. But it's, it's really, you know, in the face of all this uncertainty, just trusting in people to uh, rise up to the challenge. And, and they really have, like, in so many ways. And, and, and uh, yeah, just... I think when there is a challenge, people are great at rising up to that challenge. And, and that's certainly what I've seen with my board. And I'm, I'm so proud of them. Like, you know, the things that, the things that they're doing, the ways that they're helping the organization, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really amazing. I've just, I don't think that necessarily has anything to do with my leadership. I think it's just a matter of, you know, we've got a clear vision and we've worked together to set that vision and everybody keeps working towards it in spite of everything that's going on. I think there's sort of that piece in, in your backgrounds in um, social innovation, right? And, you know, there's that piece of, um, that we learn in, in that curriculum of, uh, you know, design for evolution and design for emergence, have that trust in, in setting the vision and values that, you know, this, the system itself and its reconfiguration and its design will, will play itself out when we have trust and we set clear vision and values for sort of where we're going. But that, it's hard to trust an emergence, right? 
It's, you know, people really want certainty so much. And I find you, you still hear it in the conversations that people have about getting back to normal, getting back to normal. And we're, things are not going back to the way things were before. There's going to be a new equilibrium. And, you know, it, you look in natural systems and nature strives to find equilibrium. And, you know, we're going to, we're striving to find that equilibrium too. But to think that things are going to go back to the way they were, they're, they're not, they just, they never are. It's just going to be different. That's it. It's just going to be different. It'll, it'll get more stable eventually at some point, but really you got to be where it is today and just be prepared for anything could happen and roll with it. As we, you know, look ahead and we're thinking about sort of this, um, you know, the impact that the pandemics had on the Yukon economy and, you know, and we do this work of sort of rebuilding or, or sort of figuring out what the path ahead looks like. What are some of the things that you're thinking about and hoping for in, in the emergence of the Yukon economy? I, I think a lot of businesses have done a, a phenomenal job of adapting. Uh, not always easy. Uh, my hope, I think one of the best tools that we could give Yukon businesses now and beyond is access to business counseling services. It's, I, I think it's just a basic service that we should be providing. Um, yeah, I mean, whether a business is, is failing or whether a business is successful, having somebody that you can work with to strengthen your business or turn it around is, is valuable. It is, it, it really is. And, and we all benefit from it when we have somebody who's sort of on our side, um, helping us think through those those challenges and because our friends and family don't always <laughs> need to hear it from us too right like it's good to have somebody who's there to to be that coach and and play that mentorship role um any advice for emerging entrepreneurs um a pandemic is a good time to start a business uh similarly recessions if you can make your business work in the middle of a pandemic or or in a recession uh, then your business is probably going to do really well outside of a recession or a pandemic. So go for it, do it and find people who can ask you the questions that you're not even thinking to ask like a business counselor. Any aha moments or sort of shifts in your worldview as a result of the last couple of years? Hmm. I am uh, on the on the Myers Briggs test. At the have always been at the extreme end of extroversion, and uh, what I have found is that uh, I think I've really shifted. You know, I'm much more. You know, I'm in my bubble. I've got my my sweetheart, my fiance Aaron, my kids. Uh, Aaron's parents are, are by fairly regularly as we, as we renovate this house. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my bubble. I don't feel the need to sort of get out as, as much as I used to, uh, which is surprising to me. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think that's, that's sort of one thing. Uh, the other is that uh, Aaron and I have decided that uh, we would really like to uh, get a boat and spend some time exploring with it. 
and getting the kids out, which may sound like a crazy thing to do in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, but we know people who've done it and are doing it successfully. And you just can't, you can't put your life on hold. And this is something that, uh, that we've been wanting to do for a long time. So we're going to figure out how to make that happen. And the great thing is, is that I can probably still do my work and that at the same time. That's interesting, that, that idea, like you can't put your life on hold because we've been kind of forced to put some things on hold, but it's sort of showing us like where we have to really push through and not let things hold us back and find just a different path, hey? Yeah, it's just finding a different way to, finding a different way to do things. It doesn't mean that you you give up on what that vision is. It doesn't mean you give up on what that dream is. You just find a different way to do it. It, it might not look the same as what you already, what you always pictured it to look like, but it doesn't mean you can't make it happen if, if you can find another way to do it. So we've been working on finding other ways to do it. One of my, one of my other uh, sort of ahas or surprises is uh, I published a book, a book of poetry. And this was not something that I, you know, ever was like, oh, I'd love to publish a book one day. It just kind of happened, even though, you know, you put work into, into doing it. And so now it's out there and it's, uh, it's kind of weird. Like it, it, it feels weird to do that. Um, but it's out there in the universe and, and, uh, you know, you kind of wonder like, how will it be received? What will people think about it? And, and, uh, I guess one of my aha moments is it's not really mine anymore. Now it's just out there and, you know, the universe will do with it, whatever it wants. So it's kind of, kind of that doing something and letting it go and just trusting that whatever is meant to happen is going to happen. You know, sometimes you, you go out and you make things happen and sometimes you just let things happen and, uh, yeah, trust an emergence that way. A book of poetry. What's, is there a, like an overarching theme to the poetry or is it just, uh, I'm not, I don't know much about poetry. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the way this one came together was, uh, one day I, I decided, or I realized I've got a bunch of different poems that, that had been written for various things like time that I'd spent at the BAM Center or poetry competitions that were always fun to do. And uh, so I, I compiled all my poems together and recognized that there was, I was surprised uh, to see that there was a theme running through all the poems, which was around um, decolonizing, uh, decolonizing, decolonizing the way that we think. Uh, and so I was able to categorize them a little bit more and sort of had the, the structure for a book. Uh, there were enough in there that, that it was basically enough to do a book. And so looked into uh, some different publishing options and went from there. So yeah, just at, uh, just in December, it, uh, it went out into the world. Mm -hmm. It's called cool. uh, Flowing Over the Land and Water, uh, Settlers Reflections on the Decolonization of Self and Systems. That certainly is um, that, that decolonization of self. I mean, that's something that we, we think, I certainly think about a lot, you know, living within traditional territory and what that means. And poetry is often one of the best ways to um, kind of think through what that means because it's such a deeply reflective exercise. So that's neat. I'll have to pick it up. Cool. I'll let you know when we have them in the territory. They're available online right now, but uh, 
haven't got the physical ones here in the Yukon yet. Well, we'll link to uh, we'll link to it in the the description. Cool. Um, what's kind of keeping you grounded? I guess maybe writing poetry over the last little while. But what's been keep what's your wellness practice to keep you grounded during the pandemic? Uh, time with my partner Aaron is is my main one. Uh, just time together, talking and hanging out with each other. Um, renovating the house has been another one. Uh, we we gutted the house, uh, at least the top floor, and that was really cathartic. Like that was, it was, uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I really enjoyed it. It's uh, sometimes destruction is an act of, of creation. And uh, creative since, destruction, I think it's called, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, now we've been uh, building an extension and, and putting the house back together. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I've been learning a lot. Uh, Aaron's dad is a retired carpenter and he's been uh, teaching me along the way and very patient man. Uh, but I've, but I've really been enjoying it and picking up some new skills there, not, not related to my job, but, but certainly new, new skills that are good to have in life. And, uh, I've been enjoying that quite a lot. Uh, I haven't been getting out on the land as much as I, I really enjoy work in the renovations and kids have been keeping me pretty busy. Uh, but I'm, I'm happy with, with those things. I'm happy with that choice. Any final thoughts before we close out today? Uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how how often you hear uh, businesses in particular looking for certainty. And certainty is, it's an illusion. Like, you know, stability is one thing, certainty is another. You're, you're never going to have certainty. And it's really just when, when you're in a time of uncertainty, what what entrepreneurs do best is they look for opportunity. So embrace that uncertainty and look for the opportunity within it. Uh, and otherwise you, you can find yourself getting stuck and stagnant. And that's kind of the worst place to be because when you, when you do get stuck, what you have is a failure to adapt. And when you have a failure to adapt, you have a failure to thrive. So, so don't, uh, don't look at that uncertainty or that instability as a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's an opportunity being laid right out for you. It's up to you what you do with it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Michael. Manu Chishi. Manu Chishi.